in this industry oversaturated with photographers. The only way you can really make a name for yourself and stay sane is to pick clients that are going to really appreciate what you're doing. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. This is Blissfully Aware, a podcast about rooting into purpose and exploring ways of creating a positive impact through strategy and design thinking. I'm your host, Iwana Friedman, and you just heard Christine Blackburn. Christine's an award-winning still-life photographer and videographer based in New York City, and she's created media for Benefit Cosmetics, Shiseido, Tiffany, New York Magazine, the list goes on and on. She's a great friend. We've worked together for many years. And I wanted to bring her on because, you know, there's conventional wisdom around finding our audience and finding the right client base. I wanted to spend a little bit more time with her and get a better understanding, a closer look at what this really means day to day, right? Things are, you know, beautiful in theory, but when we bring them down to earth, what does it really mean to cultivate the right client base? What decisions do we make year over year to get to a place where we feel like, our relationships in commerce reflect who we really are and what we really want to do. And, you know, what does the right client even mean? All these questions we're going to dig into with Christine. And it's really great because she has 15 years in the game. So this is a wealth of time to reflect back on and pull some really great nuggets of knowledge. So let's dive in. I'm excited. I'm so happy that you're here. It's been a beat since I've seen you. I know. It feels like no time at all, but it also feels like forever. So for the people who are meeting you for the first time, I'll say that you and I started working together how many years ago? Oh gosh. Like seven, eight years ago. Yeah. But you're the reason elfcosmetics.com looked as beautiful as it did. Oh, thank because you. Because prior to that, the photography was, I'm not going to say it was garbage, <laughs> <laughs> but we shot it in a closet. Oh, yeah. I saw that closet. Glorified with, you know, a little tripod <laughs> and a cannon. So I'm so excited to have you here today and lift the veil on your creative process. Thank you. I'm excited to share. How did you get into still life? That's an interesting question. I absolutely love playing with color and light and design. And once you are going into someone's home or into an environment to take a picture, you're you're finding a picture. You're working with exactly what's around you and you're finding this beautiful image. Whereas in studio, especially in still life, you're creating an image. You're picking the props. You're picking the lighting. You're angling things at just the right angle. And I've always really enjoyed that control in my work. Uh, It feels very painterly to me in a way. I'm creating the whole situation. That's a beautiful analogy, like a painting. Yeah, you build it instead of finding it. I want to ask you about how you've cultivated your voice as a creative. It's interesting. It's a combination of what I'm drawn to as a photographer, what I enjoy doing, and then also what my clients are looking for. Each part perpetuates the other. 
my main concern has always been lighting. I love getting like that bright hint off the side of a product that makes it look more luxurious or even snappy light with a great shadow coming down that feels a little bit more fun. And from there, you know, you have certain clients who are interested in that. They also bring some really fun new ideas to the shoot. So as you collaborate with these people, you start to also learn like, hey, that was super fun. That's definitely going in my portfolio. Or, you know, maybe we did something that felt not my style and I just wasn't that excited about it. And you slowly weed out that work from your own portfolio. And it's really not until you take a step back that you're like, oh, this is my style. I never really like set out being like, oh, I love Ansel Adams. So I want to make my work look like his. I've just always really enjoyed playing around with light and color and design. And really, it's once you take that step back that I was like, oh, this is who I am. Would you say that came through organically? A hundred percent. My work, it's not play, but it feels like it sometimes. That's how I have built my brand. And, and I definitely, you know, over the years, you do see your style change a little bit. It evolves with what is going on in the market. And it also evolves with, I don't know, you're interested in new things at different parts of your life. My work looks cohesive even over the years, but it definitely has shifted a little bit. I find it very interesting that now with the rise of social media, consuming images on a screen of some sort, my style has changed to reflect that. When we really consume images in magazines, you get more small details in the image, whereas now it's poppier and a little bit more resting to kind of stop that scroll and take a look. You might not be resting on that image for quite as long, but it has more of that wow factor right away. It's almost like you have to trim the fat. Yes, exactly. And it's interesting. Like, I don't feel like it came about as something that somebody forced me to do. I feel like it came about as something that naturally evolved and I really enjoy it. 100% you have to trim the fat and think about what is going to get people to stop and really take a look and invest their time because nobody has time anymore. You know, we're always doing a million things, multitasking constantly. Well, what do you mean? I don't understand what you mean. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's no time for anything. No. I'm conducting this interview with, you know, no pants on. So (laughs) (laughs) We're very, very close friends. (laughs) Um, How do you go about choosing your clients? That is a good question. When you're first starting out, you have to say yes to pretty much everything. Anything that's going to help you grow as a photographer or as an artist in general. You know, you're going to take certain jobs where you're like, this isn't necessarily even my style. But from every single job, you should be growing in some sort of way. It's not always visually. Sometimes it's, hey, I'm going to be interacting with a larger group of people in a new way, maybe for like a bigger company. Maybe they're just having me shoot something basic and on white and I could do this in my sleep. But you're learning some new skills that you're going to take into the next job. So as you evolve in your work, you start to be able to weed out some of those jobs. It's not just weeding out. It's also you're not learning anything more from certain jobs. Mm -hmm. So how I pick my clients now. I'm not really trying to cast a wide net anymore. Um, Now I'm trying to get very specific clients. Not only do I think I would like to shoot for a big name, but their style really feels like mine. Because in this industry, oversaturated with photographers, the only way you can really make a name for yourself and stay sane is to pick clients that 
are going to really appreciate what you're doing. Being a jack of all trades, you'll get by and you can pay the bills, but you're going to plateau at some point because once you get to bigger clients, you have to show them why they should pick you. Their budget can let them choose anybody that they want. So you need to have a little bit more of differentiating voice to be like, this is why I'm perfect for you. So, but how do I find these? Really, I'm looking at the work they're currently doing. I'm shooting for Benefit Cosmetics later this week. And my style, it's very punchy colors often, or at least punchy design. And a lot of times a little tongue-in-cheek aspect. Mm -hmm. So they reached out to me because they are very tongue-in-cheek about their entire style as their brand. So, you know, you're trying to find people that are going to fit for you and that you're going to fit for them. You mirror each other. Exactly, exactly. You know, you can each be a little on the edge of things and helping each other in what you're creating. I want to get in the nitty gritty a little bit, if we can. Mm -hmm. How do you craft your message in such a way that it lands on them and helps them understand that you get them? Like, I get your pain and I'm here to relieve it. Exactly. And that's really well said, too. The thing that you have to remember is you know, people are coming to you to collaborate with you and also to make their jobs easier. They want to have full confidence that you are going to deliver something beyond what they could even have really imagined was possible. They want you to be able to deliver what they've sketched out or what they've mocked up, but also be able to take it to that next level. So it's a real collaboration. It's not just like, hey, here's a drawing of a thing, make it into a photograph. They're hiring you because they want your particular style to come to life within this concept. It's a fascinating thing to think about when we lead a photo shoot or a design team. I think a lot of it has to do with relieving pain, Mm -hmm. transforming it into something productive, positive and warm. Well, it's almost like birthing pain. They're excited about this image that's going to come to life and it's amazing, but they're like, they've done this work to put this concept together. You know, they've reworked it a million times to get it just right. And then they're coming to you with like their baby where they want to have full confidence that you're going to bring this thing to life and it's going to be the least painful experience possible. We all know we're going to have to work hard to make this amazing. And they, to kind of diverge from that metaphor, but they also want to know that you're going to add a little extra something in there. A big thing that I come back to when I'm talking to new clients, like when I'm pitching for different jobs, is to make sure that they know that I really understand what they're looking for and that they aren't worried that I won't be able to deliver. Like that's, I think, the worst thing that you can do with a client if you're like wishy-washy or nervous, or you're trying to totally change the concept, that's one thing that I really want to bring to my clients is, hey, here's your idea, and it's amazing, and we're going to make it absolutely amazing. I 100% know what you're going for here, but I'm also going to be able to riff on a couple ideas like, oh, hey, what if we did it a little bit differently, or if we introduced this specific prop? Again, making that real collaboration a thing. You know what I love about that? It leaves room on set for exploration. Exactly. What I always strive for on my shoots is like, okay, here's the brief. Here's what we're going to do. You know, we talk about it first to see maybe this specific idea they had is actually photographically going to be really hard to achieve. Maybe we're going to tweak it this way. So we come together with a really solid idea and we accomplish that idea on set. And then we start to play with it a little bit more to see if we can push it to 
something even bigger and beautiful. But you always want to accomplish that original idea, get that in the can before you make any real changes. That's so smart. (laughs) Try. (laughs) How did you learn that? I think I learned that mostly through one of my oldest clients is a HarperCollins. I'm super lucky that I've been able to work with them for many years. And they come to me with these great concepts and they're hyper conceptual. Um, I do a lot of young adult stuff. So it tends to be very melodramatic and angsty and it's all about symbolism. So they usually have to sell in a certain concept to everyone in their division, you know, especially in marketing. So we, they are like, you have to create this. Somebody said yes to this. Everyone Mm -hmm. said yes to this. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So we get that done. And it's always a really exciting concept. From there, we always leave time to play. And I'd say four out of five times, we end up with a more playful image in the end. Because again, it's something that you don't know it's possible until you get on set and do it. You got to get a feel for it. Yes. It's one thing to have something in your head, but once you manifest it physically, it can take on a totally different life. Yeah, totally. So, you know, I work very closely with uh, my prop stylist. So we always get a couple little extra things that could be fun. You know, not something totally off what they asked for, but something that's a little extra fun. Like, oh, maybe the light's going to bounce off this in an interesting way. Totally. Where do you see your studio going? What's your dream? Many dreams. I don't know. I mean, where I am right now is I'm working with more and more bigger and more fun jobs that have a lot more creative flexibility that I really get to weigh in on a lot. I definitely have a couple clients that are my bread and butter and they're lovely and awesome, but maybe aren't the most challenging shoots. Mm -hmm. So I think as I'm evolving, as I've been doing for years, you start to get rid of some of those shoots that are not paying that well and aren't that interesting. You know, the old adage of, what is it? Can either be cheap, fast, or how am I forgetting this? You pick quality, speed, or budget. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, quality, speed, or budget. And you start to being able to narrow that down a little bit more. So I'm at the point right now where I'm doing some really interesting jobs. I'm getting so much creative control. Do you see yourself as a solo entrepreneur for the long haul? Completely business-wise, the next move is a studio manager because I feel very strongly about this. For people starting out, don't look for an agent until you're so busy that you don't have enough time to market yourself. There's no reason to be paying somebody a quarter of what you make to be doing a job that you could be doing if you're just sitting on the couch. Agents aren't going to make the jobs roll in anyway. And same with the studio manager. Um, Recently, I've just gotten so busy that... I would really like to have a person there to handle file maintenance and deliveries coming to the studio, making sure catering is ordered, all that kind of stuff. So that's like business-wise, that's the next step for me. Good for you, man. Too busy to order lunch. (laughs) Yeah, there's days where I'm too busy to eat lunch. Those are not as much fun. (laughs) (laughs) Has anything surprised you along the years? What comes to mind? So I went to school at Rochester Institute of Technology, great school, super technical photo program. I was kind of lucky. I came to New York right when digital started to become a really big thing. Photographers that I was assisting for didn't know anything about digital. And because I had just finished school with three years of it, the first year everyone laughed at digital, but by year two, everyone's like, oh, this is happening. Uh, (laughs) 
So a lot of these photographers really needed some assistance that knew how to work with digital. And I feel like that's happening now with video. Mm-hmm. Because I my work has gotten a whole lot more video focused in the last two years. And I'm often looking for assistants who have a little bit more knowledge of video and kind of give me an extra hand. Yeah. So so I was lucky that I was able to get a lot of assisting jobs. And then I got to a point where work started to slow down a little bit on the assisting side. And I had started shooting for like smaller magazines, some small jewelry designers. And I felt like I was at a crossroads where I could either easily just send my resume out to a couple other photographers and keep on assisting, or I could buckle down and really pursue the photography and try to get my business up off the ground right away. So that's what I did. I made sure that I made enough money and saved enough money that I was okay for about three months. I was still assisting. There was never any point where I just cut that off and said no, but I wasn't looking for new assisting work and I was looking very hard for shooting work. And that's when I was taking anything that came my way. That's how all of this stuff involves. I feel like when I talk to a lot of assistants that are looking to get into photography and make that jump, they're always looking for an aha moment. And like, that's not how this works. Everything is an evolution. You know, you can't just say, oh, I'm going to just stop assisting right now. It's like, no, just shift your focus. That's what really needs to happen. From there, I started shooting for a bunch of magazines which turned into shooting for more ad jobs. And that's kind of where I am now. That, again, was like another evolution of learning. You know, with the magazines, it's a little less stressful. Like, there's usually less of a, oh, this has been reviewed by 50 million people (laughs) and said yes to. There's a little bit more playfulness in there. There's room for mistakes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whereas ad jobs, usually you have to really be a lot more on your game. The stakes are a lot higher. So how do you deal with that pressure? Being my own biggest cheerleader, everyone has that little bit of imposter syndrome of like, I can't believe someone's paying me to do this. This is crazy. It must be a mistake. Exactly. (laughs) I shot for Mars the other day and I literally was paid to push candy around all day. It was amazing. So I think when you have like a little bit of that lack of confidence, you have to be your own biggest cheerleader and be like, no, they hired me because my work is great. I've worked really hard to get here. And if people are hiring me solely based off of my work, I can't fake that. That's real. And the thing that I really do is before any shoot, especially if it's slightly new territory, I just plan the crap out of it. I will often like go into my own studio and test things. I work very closely with my producer and with my stylist to make sure that we have all of the T's crossed and I's dotted before we show up on set. That's the thing. You run your own business. You're supposed to be the visionary who takes a concept and really blows it out, manage the day-to-day, and oversee the pre-production, the production, and the Mm -hmm, mm post-production, and manage client happiness. Yep. How do you still protect time so that you regenerate I might not be the best person to ask about that. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Actually, I'm very good at working in seasons where I will go, go, go super, super hard. And I thrive on that energy. But then I need like a week of downtime. Just sit on the couch and watch a whole bunch of Netflix for a while. Mm -hmm. I've never had a nine to five and I don't think I do very well with it. In this industry, some of it is very cyclical. So you will have times a year where 
it is just crazy busy and you will have times a year where you do have that downtime. So I just try to ride that wave. But a big part of it too becomes you got to start saying no to smaller jobs before you get burnt out. Because it's very easy to be like, I don't know where my next paycheck is coming from Mm. and just saying yes to everything. That's like the feast of famine. Yes. The way that I approach it is I have lived well within my means, my overhead. I don't have a huge studio. It's a great studio for most projects. But if it's a big project, I rent out another studio. That made me be a little less crazy and save some money with the overhead. And if you are you know, making sure you're not maxing yourself out on your overhead all the time, you have the ability to say no to certain jobs too. As you're doing bigger jobs, you also are able to bill specifically for file management. So even though I'm not doing the retouching, I'm the go-between. I'm making sure the client is getting the files. When the retoucher sends me things, I'm going to go through it, find all the things that need to be done. They don't need to worry about, oh, are we seeing a little piece of wire that needs to be retouched out because I'm already taking care of that. That way, too, we both end up with images we're super excited about. And again, like you were saying, too, I'm trying to make their lives easier. So whatever I can do to help this process along that's as easy for them as possible is definitely part of your job in addition to just making beautiful images. I think so, too. Not everybody works that way. So I think that's kind of your secret sauce. Has anything been specifically challenging in a good way? What comes to mind? Time management is a big thing that I had not thought about as much in the beginning of my career. There's always the idea of time management as, oh, I don't want to be wasting time. But time management in where you're focusing your time. Because I feel like that's something in the last couple of years that I've been working harder at and seen a lot of results from. What adjustments did you make? Not chasing down jobs that are never going to happen or that are going to take so much time away from your day to chase down that your time is better spent going for a client or excited about using you or they have their shit together enough that they can actually hire you. Your time is a commodity and you can't be hand-holding, going back and forth a million times with different people before they're ready to commit to anything. I feel like I've sunk a lot of my time that could have been better spent reaching out to people who don't know about me than scrabbling after people who aren't going to actually commit to a real job. And it, you know, when you're a younger photographer, you have the time to do that. It's a very different shift as you're becoming a more established photographer to realize that you don't need every single job and that it's not mean to say no to certain things or not mean to not want to spend your time working towards something that has a very low likelihood of working out. Because I think I always was like, oh, this is a smaller client. Like they need a little bit more help, da, da, da. I think you also have to feel out, hey, is this really going to happen? And is this helping me too? That and like, you know, making the time for your marketing. That is something that I always put on the back burner. I never actually carved out time for that. And where I am now, I have to actually say no to certain jobs so that I have time to do some real marketing so you can get to that next step to get those more exciting jobs or those more high-paying jobs. Because if you're constantly saying yes to smaller, less exciting, more mediocre jobs all the time, you don't have enough time to put yourself out in front of the more exciting clients. And granted, like, you know, you're going to lose a little bit of money while you're trying to get these bigger jobs, but it pays off tenfold in the end. How do you market yourself? 
I have an agent, which is super helpful. So she and I work very closely to look for new people. But having an agent definitely isn't a silver bullet. You need to work hand in hand with an agent because they also need to know what you actually want to be doing too. You know, again, you don't want somebody that's just casting this wide net that's like, anyone who wants a photograph, I'll do it. You want a really laser focused idea of who you're going to try to go for. So I work hard with her with that. I do emailers, which work so-so. I do actual printed promotions, which help out too. And I try to do as much FaceTime with people as I can as well, because not only are you going to be able to sell yourself better in person, you're also going to hear about interesting things going on in the market, and you're able to really hear what somebody's really looking for instead of just saying, hey, I'm great. You can also be like, hey, what are you looking for? Right. It's about listening. Exactly. And that makes a huge difference. And granted, getting your foot in the door in that way can be a little complicated. And that is spending a decent amount of time going for that. But the amount of reward you get from making the time for people like that, they're going to remember you. Um, you're going to be learning things. It's just a much better way of working with people. How have you learned to earn their trust enough to take a meeting with you? Oh, that's a good question. A lot of times it's recommendations. Someone vouching for me and being like, hey, my friend Christine, we've done jobs together. I think she'd be great for this project. That's the biggest thing to actually get the face-to-face -face meeting. And that is also helpful with an agent because they might have another photographer who is shot for an agency or a magazine or a brand in a different capacity. They were happy with this other photographer. They assume that the agent isn't going to just have like one great one and one crappy one. Mm -hmm. So that's helpful too. Going to portfolio reviews, having multiple points of contact and, you know, making sure your, your website is updated, that you've got tear sheets in there. And also don't drop the ball on a job because I feel like your name gets out there as doing a bad job a whole lot faster than doing a good job. So like if you're the one person who's like, oh, none of the files were delivered on time, that is really, really bad. You know, you definitely don't want people to remember you for that reason. Has that ever happened to you? No, not really. I will move mountains. I've canceled vacations because I've been like, I'm not sure that all of this is going to work out in the right way. And I want to be there. You know, if I say I'm going to deliver something, I'm 110% going to deliver that thing. Yeah, because your name is on the line. Yeah. And going back to that pain thing you were saying, like, knowing that I had made somebody's job harder, that sucks. That's not cool. My job is not only to create beautiful images, but to make this come to life. And coming to life a week late doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Totally. There's a lot of talk about pristine image making and the technique of it, the personality behind the images, you know. I don't think enough is said about making people's lives easier. Mm -hmm. It's a partnership on set. And if the partnership isn't strong, you're not going to end up with beautiful images. What do you do to get better in your craft? Shoot more. Do tests. That's the best thing to do. Challenge yourself. If I like a certain image, I'll challenge myself to pull the concept that I like out of that shoot, make it my own and do that kind of shoot because you're really only going to get hired for what's in your book. Even though you know that you can do that, people can't always extrapolate. Not everyone is a photographer. Not everyone's a painter or whatever your craft is. So what you know that you can do, other people don't know you can do until you actually show them that you can do it. So 
to learn how to do some new things and explore it and also to show people like, hey, I definitely can do this and I want to be doing this. I'm excited to do this. I do it on my own first, which I would do with any shoot. I'd never show up on a shoot and be like, all right, we're figuring this out today. But you also want to be able to play and explore with a certain lighting or concept, learn all the abilities that it has before you would ever be asked to do it. That's a way that I learn it from the more like techie side, talking with other photographers, the techs, really learning what the current tools out there are too. That's also really important. Totally. This was great. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for having me. This is amazing. Thank you for coming on. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening. Blissfully Aware is produced by The Daring, a creative consultancy and transformation partner to purposeful entrepreneurs and organizations. Our theme music is by Ben Tyree. And you can get in touch by emailing info at thedaring.co. I'd love your feedback, your topic ideas, your guest ideas. And if you enjoy the show, please leave a review so that other people in our cohort might find it. And I'll see you back here in two weeks. Have a great day, everybody. (laughs) 